Excuse me, Jack? Yeah. I was thinking about what the colonel was saying, you know, about my name. Uh-huh. I was just wondering if you had any ideas. I had some thoughts on it, yeah. What about you? What do you think? Well, my idea was, you know, I just want a name. I want it so we can cut glass, you know, like razor sharp. Razor sharp, right. Yeah, well, when I close my eyes, I see this thing. It's like this big sign. And the name is in, like, bright blue neon lights with, like, purple outline. And this name is just so bright and so sharp that the sign, it just blows up because the name is just so powerful. It says Dirk Diggler. I think, I think heaven has sent you here, Dirk Diggler. <laughs> I think the angels have blessed us all because of you. God, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 53, Boogie Nights. One of the all-time greats. Got a lot to cover on this one. Yeah, I mean, we were holding out for as long as we could. (laughs) Holy shit. And we couldn't hold out any longer. It's just the mecca of unbelievable scenes and unbelievable quotes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can ever really say that uh, there's a such thing as a perfect film, but this is as close as it gets, Uh, I think. Yeah, definitely uh, probably one of our collective favorite directors. Yeah. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. (laughs) For those of you following along at home. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Um, so, really quickly, we still have stickers. If you're interested, tweet the show at Greatest Pod or text me, text Matt. Uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes and be sure to tell a friend if they're interested in movies, funny people, <laughs> funny podcasts. Yeah, we can recommend them to you. <laughs> Uh, we'd really like our listenership to grow a little bit more. Although I will say I am super happy with where it's at. I'm ha- I'm super happy, <laughs> content with just that you know mediocrity. people are listening, and yeah. I'm, and I love all of our listeners. Oh, but I'd love to have more, a few more, just a few. Anytime someone texts me like a line from the show with like an okay emoji. Which has happened multiple times. It just, you know, makes living seem worth it. Well, it certainly makes this podcast seem worth it. That's what I meant. A little, well, almost. (laughs) Almost worth it. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, 
Thanks for the continued support, and we'll see you next week. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, we got through it all. There's a lot to go over with uh, Boogie Nights, so might as well just let everyone know right now this might be a long episode. Yep, yep. Although... <laughs> There's a chance that people are looking at the length right now and thinking this isn't any longer than normal. I don't know. Yeah, Who knows? I don't know. I, yeah, I mean that's the risk you run when you start <laughs> making announcements before you've recorded anything. True. <laughs> but we have a feeling this one could go a little long, and if you know, whatever. Right. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it was only a couple episodes on the Dark Knight when we were like, "All right, we'll keep it short for the next few." <laughs> Already backing out on that promise. Well, there's no such thing. We shouldn't be apologetic for providing more content. I know. Well, I'm in agreement. I think all of our episodes should be two hours. All right. And we <laughs> should do it every day. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Boogie Nights, 1997, shockingly did not win Best Picture. What did? Do I don't know? know. Oh, okay. Titanic? Yeah. Oh, was that? The, uh, I guess that was the same year. Wow. I don't even think Boogie Nights was nominated for Best Picture. Oh, I don't think so either. It only got it got nominated for Best Original Screenplay and two actor awards. Two? Well, Burt Reynolds and I think uh, there was a... F- it must have been Julianne Moore. I don't know. Yeah, I thought maybe. there was another supporting award. Um, Yeah, it's kind of a shame that Paul Thomas Anderson hasn't been recognized a little bit more as far as awards go, but it just kind of goes to show you how meaningless it all is. Life, <laughs> yeah. life I mean. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a... It's it's shocking when you think that Paul Thomas Anderson was, like, 27 years old when he was, like, directing this movie. I know, it's stunning. And, like, making $40 million movies. Like, given a budget of that much money to make a movie... About that, porn, yeah, basically. That, as we were going over... His original thought was to make it over three hours and have an NC-17 rating, which basically <laughs> means you can't make money off of it. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe he wouldn't have got the same budget if it would have been NC-17. That's I'm nuts. not really sure I how that know. was all going to yeah. work out. People were more free with the money I know. as recently as 20 years ago. It is weird to think like that that was happening at the time. People well, it's also just, weird to think it was that only this movie is 20 movie. years old. Yeah, that is weird. This uh, is also a movie that like I saw before I was really like understanding what was going like the first time I saw it I thought it was awesome because there's like a ton of nudity and a ton of like insane scenes but I just like didn't really get what was great about it like <laughs> I don't like I some would argue that you still don't I don't like the first time I ever saw this when I was, I feel like I was like pretty young I don't know I don't think I was aware of like the comedy that's going on with Mark Wahlberg's character. Yeah, I mean, I would say that uh stylistically and also plot-wise, it's it's kind of it's very similar to Goodfellas. Um some people kind of criticize the film for just being like the same thing as Goodfellas. I don't really think that that's necessarily true. No. It's just a it's a similar kind of story arc for at least, you know, the first two thirds or so and then the, the final third is kind of different from Goodfellas but it it's similar in that it's you know a drama uh, punctuated with kind of intense things uh, more violence in Goodfellas but there's violence in, in Boogie Nights as well yeah. but the underlying kind of thing throughout is this comedic tone that is apparent you know even in scenes that 
you wouldn't necessarily think were funny. It starts in 1977, and we're introduced to Eddie Adams, uh, played by Mark Wahlberg, uh, back when he was fresh out of being Marky Mark. Kind of a newcomer to acting at the time. So this was it, huh? This was the thing that kind of propelled his acting career? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, I mean, I think when I watched this... I, I think I just always knew of Mark Wahlberg to be an actor. Just because I don't I don't even think, you know, I wasn't aware of the pop culture relevance of Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Neither was I, but okay. I didn't know him as anything. Right. I, I, I didn't know him as Marky Mark, really, but I didn't know him as an actor either. I think like... Before this. He was see just that the, this guy in Boogie want, Nights. The first thing that... Yeah, but for me, my first awareness of him is he's this guy in this... In this great movie called Fear. Which, yeah. What year did that come out? I mean, it had to be not too far away from this time. Yeah, right? I think it was before this. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this wasn't his first right, movie. but this was the thing that really But he was still, like, uh, yeah. relatively unknown as a name. Right, okay. Um, I, I don't think I saw Fear until after I saw Boogie Nights. I, I didn't see Fear till much later. Oh, no, I don't think I had seen it, but just that, you know, the trailer with the iconic scene of him, like, hitting himself in the chest. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember the trailer to Fear. I mean, I know the scene, but I don't well, remember the trailer. I just know, like, anything Alyssa Milano's in, I was, like, very familiar with. No, it was was it Alyssa Milano? Well, she's the friend. Oh, yeah, okay. She's the yeah. hot friend of Reese Witherspoon. Right, okay. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Going real deep oh, with yeah. the Alyssa Milano. <laughs> okay, so Eddie works as a dishwasher at a nightclub uh, run by Luis Guzman, who plays Maurice. Um, he actually has two jobs at the nightclub. Who, Eddie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Eddie's washing dishes, and he's also showing guys his cock and, and jacking maybe off. Maybe jerking off, yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, the price range... Five dollars to see Look it. At it. Yeah, but it, you can watch him jerk off for ten. I mean, I feel like you might as well just pay the ten. <laughs> You're getting so much more. But uh, it seems to be main, mainly to dudes, right? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> anything not, that involves depraved women being creepy <laughs> or weird or money or sex, it's always ends up with dudes. I mean, it's never like chicks that are interested. So I got to get into this. It's just like when Jack goes back to meet him. Uh, you know. Burt Reynolds, he's like, oh, yeah, he gives him the whole price deal. He's like, so if you want to look at it, that's five. If you want me to jerk it off a little, that's ten. And he's like, have you done this tonight already? And he's like, yeah, three times. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? There's that many dudes that just want to come back and look at it? Well, how do they know? I know. Well, that was the other (laughs) thing. I was sitting here thinking like, so you're at a club and somebody's like, dude, that waiter has like a huge dick and it... for only five bucks, you can look at it. <laughs> does like, that make okay. yeah? Does that make me gay if I go do it? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. How do you? Well, if you're Eddie, how do you even get this set up? Yeah, I know. <laughs> how do you get the word out? <laughs> yeah, who does? <laughs> and then you know, he's like, "Yeah, I've done it three times tonight." And Jack's like, "Oh, I, I want to shake your hand." <laughs> <laughs> well, let's. Let's okay. Right, back it up a little bit. Yeah. Let's say I that I have like a thirteen-inch cock. <laughs> Let's like, say like Eddie, right? And hey, and I'm thinking like, hey, you know, I'd like to make a little extra money here. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem showing it to people or jacking off in front of people, right? 
how do I get this set up? No, like, how I, don't, do I, yeah. I don't understand. That's like one of those things that just is in a movie and it's already like established and you don't really get any explanation as to and how just, that happens. I just still feel like... I don't get it. I don't know. He needs like an agent or something because the price scale, it just seems off. It's just like you're going from just the risk level alone. It's like you're going from exposing yourself to... I don't know what kind of crime jacking off on someone is, but... <laughs> well, I don't think it has to be on, though. <laughs> I know. I was exaggerating. In the presence That's of... That's 15. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I guess we're supposed to take it that Jack doesn't even know this. Yeah, no, he's surprised. He just so happens to be oh. a porn director in search of a good you looking know, man new with stars. The... Right. And yet, here's a guy who has a 13-inch cock who can also get hard and come three times in the same night like it's nothing. Yeah, jackpot. It's like, I mean, talk about fortuitous meeting. Yeah. Or are we supposed to... I don't know. Are we supposed to understand maybe that Maurice tipped him off? I don't know. It does seem like it was past his way a little bit. Although, if Maurice knows that this is going on in the club... Well, (laughs) it's 1977. That's true. A lot of shit was going on. I think a lot of stuff was going on yeah, in that club. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, and it does th- seem like Jack kind of is like seeking him out, though. It's not like he's just like. Well, they make they have like eye contact, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like what's going on there? So Eddie just thinks, "Oh, this is another one of those dudes." <laughs> and so the thing with Eddie is, uh, he is commuting to this club in Reseda from Torrance, which is. About an hour away, but he's coming via bus, so it's probably like a two, three-hour yeah. th- trip. Uh, it's clear day. that like he's heading up north more into the Los Angeles area because uh, in the San Fernando Valley and all that stuff because he's interested in becoming a star. Uh, I don't think specifically he his ambitions lie in the porn industry. It just so happens that he's got a giant cock and he doesn't really have a problem. You know, I'm sure there's tons of dudes out there who have giant cocks who would not be in porn. Like, they don't Well, yeah, he's also a, you know, sharp-looking dude. He wants to be a star. Whatever it takes. By any means necessary. And he's not super bright. He doesn't really have any other skills. He's impressionable a little bit, too, you would say? Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, but I also think, like, it's just kind of... He doesn't really have any um, moral obligations to this because his number one priority is seemingly is to become famous, rich and famous. Did they say if he graduated high school? I mean, how old is he? No, his mom does throw in his face uh, that he doesn't. He didn't uh, yeah, graduate. High I didn't school. think so. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like he's coming home late. Uh, usually, I guess in the wee hours or in the early morning hours, and he's catching a lot of shit from his mom, who may or may not be a stepmom. It's kind of unclear what either way the family she's creepily overinvested in him. Hi, where were you? Nowhere. Shut up. Where were you? You see that little slut girl you see, Cheryl? Cheryl Lynn? Don't say that. Make you feel like a stud to see trash like that? Is she a girlfriend? No, she's not my girl. She's a little whore and a little piece of trash. And I know you're not the only one she sees. What? Why would you say something like that? I heard things about her and that girl. Don't think I don't know what goes on here when I'm not here. I wash your sheets. I know she's been here. Or are you doing something else in there with your music and your posters on the wall? What is your problem? Okay, fine. All right, all right. Just go. Go. Go to that little whore, Sherilyn. Why don't you just go to her? Go to your little girlfriend. Yeah, maybe I will. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, what are you gonna do? I don't know, I'll do something. You can't do anything. You're a loser. You'll always be a loser. You, you couldn't even finish high school because you were so stupid, so what are you gonna do? I'll do something, I'll do it. You know what, I'll go somewhere and I'll do something. Maybe I'll run away where you can never uh, find me. Go ahead and fuck that little girl. It seems like her constant ragging on him is kind of serving as this motivation um, where he he kind of expresses this desire to be somebody, to be a star, uh, kind of in response to his it's mom's... Like, what do you do? You don't do anything. Criticism, <laughs> yeah. She's kind of throwing it in his face that he's a loser, that he didn't graduate high school, yeah, that he's never going to Not dissimilar from anything. conversations with my own mom. <laughs> so their fighting gets so bad that when Jack kind of extends this, you know, Come open hand, out. like, yeah. hey... I think you could be somebody. Now, keep in mind, when Jack first kind of goes back into this back kitchen room at the club <laughs> and Eddie's laying on him like this whole spiel about his giant cock, like, he also says he's 17. Oh, yeah, right. So there were like a lot of How dudes did he even get this watching job? a 17-year-old Jack off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you even say to that? I don't know. Nothing good. <laughs> Oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, this movie definitely doesn't shy away from, like, the depths of humanity and just the... uh, Yeah, it's a pretty bleak scene. All forms of depravity. And also, I'd like to point out that Eddie's dad is really just a ghost of a man. Oh, I know. What a pushover he is. Especially if it is, like, his stepmom who's stepping in. He'd be like, back the fuck off. It's not your son. Well, it seems like she's running that house. Oh, absolutely, yeah. (laughs) Because doesn't she take, like, a shot at him, too? Oh, about the when he tries to, like, kiss her? Oh, yeah. Oh, she was like, warn me before you do that. shave your face if you're going to do that. (laughs) Eddie eventually moves in with Jack in kind of this very just, like, prototypical 70s rich California kind of dream house, like a ranch style. Tiger on a a chain. (laughs) No, there's no tiger. But it's like kind of this like hangout slash for... nonstop party. Yeah, it's kind of in a way, it's kind of just the the home base for like their whole operation. Because Jack is a porn director, a pretentious porn director who kind of seems that like he's <sighs> they don't really get too much into the business side. Although we do meet uh, the producer. Like the money man behind it, the colonel uh, eventually. The financier. But it seems that like Jack is kind of more than just uh, a director. He's kind of uh, has his no tour has his own like kind of working troupe and of actors and kind of his own like company. And this is kind of like his house is like their home base because he's got uh, Roller Girl and. Amber Waves, Roller Girl is Heather Graham, Amber Waves now, is Julian Moore. They both live at the house. Roller Girl, it seems like a vet of Jack's as far as the work goes, but she's also in high school, isn't she? Yeah, when we first meet her, she's rolling her way right out of high school. Yeah, like, which... Just abandoning it without graduating, similar to what we've learned is... Uh, Eddie's but it's like, how long fate. could she have been working for Jack? I don't know. I don't know what the laws were for 
these film they were playing makers, fast and loose yeah, back then i don't know i don't know it seems insane but the fact that she's wearing these roller skates non-stop thoughts on this i mean it's just like how annoying well i know it's a like a little character trait and it's supposed to be a thing yeah but i mean she's so, living the gimmick right i mean she does yeah. wear the roller skates all the time which one would wonder what those feet smell like and a teacher would be like <laughs> get out of here well it was the 70s a lot of shit was flying. <laughs> People were wearing roller skates in high school classrooms and also in porn movies. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the other people that are living or hanging around this house. Well, there's Buck, who's played by Don Cheadle. Another actor, right? Uh, yeah, another yeah. porn actor. And Becky. Uh, Which we don't really see a lot of their work throughout the movie. A little bit of Becky, who's an absolute stunner, by the way. Yeah, I love Becky. She's played by an actress named Nicole Ari Parker, who I'm not super familiar with. No, but her I work. think when I was looking at it, I think she plays Denzel Washington's wife in Remember the Titans, which is kind of like a weird yeah. transition. Yeah. <laughs> and then we've got uh, Reed Rothschild. Yeah. Um, before we get to Reed, let's kind of go back and talk about Amber. Um, oh. Amber Waves, probably the closest thing to a female lead in the film, uh, Julianne Moore. Kind of a gray area as to what her relationship with Jack is. Are they like a couple? At some, at, there's points in it where it seems like they're together, but they're never like that intimate. But they kiss each other on the lips, and she's like the mother of this group. Because there's yeah. like a one of the kind of the recurring themes throughout the film is like this idea of family and. Uh, Obviously, we were familiar with Eddie's family life, and we know that he had to run away from that. And we see kind of into Amber's family life, where she's involved in a um, uh, custody battle, custody battle with her ex-husband. And we don't really know a lot about Roller Girl, but one would imagine it, it wasn't it, great for her yeah, at home. So, I mean, yeah, she seemingly hasn't been. With her parents for quite some time. So these people who are all damaged and broken, obviously, kind of band together in this crazy world of pornography to form their own version of a family. And Amber kind of has this very uh, maternal way about her, and she mothers kind of roller girl. Kind of calls and, everyone like honey and sweetie. She kind of just serves as like the calm in this world of craziness, although there are plenty of scenes of her snorting lines of coke and, and being whatnot. completely insane yeah and having like emotional breakdowns but you're gonna have that in this type of world <laughs> and also okay so then we also briefly talked about we mentioned the colonel uh kind of just this big creep who's oh my God, constantly yes, showing up with <laughs> girls that seem are clearly underage and also are like strung out or like a, overly addicted to cocaine. They definitely like look like runaways and ha like they haven't had a good meal in about two weeks. Yeah, the Real Colonel is sketchy. an ultimate creep. Yeah, and we kind of find out. More I know, but about even before as we go along. It's just like it's so. It's even like in this world, everyone is a little bit like, all right, the Colonel's like a bit much. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it seems like. Uh, there's levels to depravity. <laughs> yeah, in, in this world even. And then, of course, Reed, played by John C. Riley, who hits it off with 
uh, Eddie right away. Which does it kind of feels like this opening meeting scene between them is like the inspiration for what's turned into the John C. Riley Will Ferrell movies. Like Step Brothers and shit, where they're just <laughs> saying these like ridiculous things trying to one up each other. Yeah. There's a little bit of uh one upsmanship between the two of them, but it's kinda done in a way where they're both game for it. Like yeah. they kind of almost like the idea of doing it and like they're even so lame that to the point where they're like jumping off the diving board in different ways and <laughs> and, t- and John C. Riley's like, That was great, but let me show you what you did oh, wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's during this initial time period where uh Eddie comes to Jack and he says, I've come up with this name for my porn name, and it's Dirk Diggler, and he you know, henceforth we'll refer to him as Dirk. He's Dirk Diggler now. And Dirk Diggler, it doesn't take long for him to become the biggest star in porn in the late 70s. I mean... Why wouldn't he be? He's a young, new face on the Strapping. scene, and he's got a huge cock. Yeah. What more could you ask for? <laughs> and he's got Jack's artistic vision behind him, and Jack is a pretty willing collaborator because he allows for... um Dirk and Reed to kind of brainstorm this whole idea. They come up with a character that's kind of like a James Bond in porn. I don't know. Kind of, yeah. Um, not less suave, more suave, like a rock star. Yeah, yeah. Called Brock Landers, <laughs> and <laughs> Reed's character's name is like what? Chest Rockwell oh, or yeah. something. <laughs> that, that's a great name. And uh, Chest Rockwell. <laughs> And they kind of, uh, you know, do a series of films, you know, that are all pr- pretty much the same or whatever. and With these, unbelievable effects. And these are... Cap guns. These have become big hits. And, of course, uh, Dirk makes enough money to buy his own house, buy this competition orange car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as they keep Corvette. calling it. Yeah. The vet. Everything's on the upswing. Everything's great. They're winning, you know, awards at like the first and second annual porn awards, which I guess went on to become the AVNs. I oh, don't yeah, know. Absolutely. <laughs> and you know, obviously, in films like this, like uh, for the first half of the film, the drug use is always like fun and experimental, and right, everything's good. And there's then, always a lesson here. <laughs> there's always a dark turn, you know, looming over the horizon. But there. are with all with like the early Paul Thomas Anderson films I think you know he kind of there was like a little bit of a shift in his career when it got to be time for like Punch Drunk Love and then There Will Be Blood There Will Be Blood where it was more about a central character uh which kind of continued into The Master and uh, Inherent Vice but in these early couple films it was like these all these storylines intersecting lots of characters this huge ensemble where the stories kind of weave in and out and a lot of different things are happening it's really hard to keep some straight. things are fleshed out some not so much but they still seem to play into things yeah and so we've also met philip seymour hoffman playing uh scotty J, who really is clear. basically just like a camera guy or a like boom, a boom guy boom like mic how operator. the fuck he fell into this group I mean, well, I guess yeah, he just he, had a skill for it. He's just kind of like a hanger-on. Like It seems like this kind of thing would attract certain people who kind of didn't re- you know, didn't really have anything else going on. They were kind of like losers, but like if they were if they had some kind of a skill that could contribute, you know, maybe they could work their way in. Yeah. And it's clear that Scotty wouldn't be 
an sexually actor. harassing right. the girls. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that kind of stuff. Right. He'd so be more he's likely pretty to safe be... to have around naked women and yeah. women in vulnerable positions filming stuff. He'd be more likely to be uh, seeking out someone who's exposing themselves in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think one thing that's kind of um, important to keep in mind is how the 70s are kind of considered like this golden age of filmmaking just in general but also it was kind of a golden age for porn uh because jack kind of represents this style that was put into pornography that is just almost entirely unrecognizable in today's porn oh yeah it's not porn now is just can we get like a 5 minute clip of two people fucking of fucking <laughs> yeah. of just violent fucking whatever you know the nastiest there's no art whatever. to it anymore yeah the, it, porn really was treated more uh like an art it played in theaters it was shot on film uh you had to go to obviously special porn theaters but like i mean can you imagine <laughs> just jacking off oh with a bunch God. of other dudes it's like what <laughs> it sounds like a dream come true Holy for you shit the level of desperation you'd have to be at though i feel like People did it. Yeah, I know, but it's like you go into a theater and there's just other people jerking off. I think technically you weren't allowed to do that, but people did. Yeah. Well, yeah, obviously. They must have. Um, Yeah, that's pretty insane. A lot of loads drying on the inside of guys' jeans probably in the 70s in those theaters. Because I'm sure like a lot of people wouldn't take it all the way out. They were just kind of... Trying to be like discreet about rubbing it. the ins- discreetly like- <laughs> moving their shoulder up and down, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean the there was a much more emphasis on character and story. Granted, the acting is as bad as you would imagine. I, don't I know mean, that the writing's incredible either. It's like you'd be watching it and look back at someone and be like, "The story's ludicrous." <laughs> <laughs> but there was an idea that these were treated more like films because the idea of making a two-minute clip of people of like a chick sucking a dude's dick or like a husband sitting in a corner filming his wife sucking a dude's dick <laughs> that like wouldn't occur to somebody because the internet didn't exist right there'd be nowhere to watch a two-minute clip you know what i mean like they still kind of were on the mindset of like well we have to make a movie sure. there can be long sex scenes and explicit sex scenes and actual insertion and and stuff like that but like there jack, has to still be a film here yeah jack is an artist well he definitely thinks of himself right. as one and yeah. but he's not Fancies this isn't some one. kind of a unicorn of a character i mean this is what this porn one was, was. Right. and uh you know paul thomas anderson kind of chose this time period intentionally because the movie starts in the late 70s but then kind of ends as we enter into like the mid 80s and it, there definitely was this shift in everything and one of the obvious byproducts of uh videotape vhs was the change in pornography i mean there was yeah more of an emphasis on home video and being cheaper and quicker and things faster over quick yeah so i think one of the things that was ultimately different though and kind of <laughs> that was kind of a long way to get to this which was no shit male porn stars were kind of seen as like equally a big deal i think as female porn stars for some reason Uh which is why dirk is a big star equal work for equal pay because i don't (laughs) wait that's backwards (laughs) um if somebody who was like you know 
younger than us watch this film, you know, in the future or something, you know, right. 10, 20 years from now even. Yeah. We are in the future from this movie. I just like think, like, it'd be hard for them to reconcile this idea that, like, a man was this big deal in the porn industry. Like, a, a male star was, like... I don't know. I mean, obviously, people have heard of, like, Ron Jeremy, and there's, like, a few other guys, probably, that people know, but, like... Yeah, but if you look like Mark Wahlberg and you're that well endowed, I mean, I'm I'm buying it if I was born 100 years And obviously, years from this now. is based on uh, John Holmes... Oh, I didn't know that. I don't know who John Holmes is. Well, he was a guy in the 70s who had a big dick. Oh, all right. He died, though. Oh, bummer. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you, it's a kind of based on his life story, and then... I'm going to have to get a look at that guy's work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there's some online. I've never sought that out. <laughs> One of the other characters that we meet is William H. Macy. He plays Little Bill, who is... What is he, exactly? Uh, kind of like a second unit director or something yeah i mean he kind of is a is he like a cinematographer uh i don't know i don't think he's really the cinematographer i don't know we're gonna have to talk to somebody who knows more about film but (laughs) he does a lot because what do you mean there's nobody that knows more about film than us yeah i mean yeah but there's (laughs) when you see those credit rolls you're like jesus how many people work on this movie he's a key grip no i'm just kidding he has very a lot of responsibilities. He's like telling everyone what Assistant to do. director. Yeah, okay, there we go. Assistant director. His whole thing is, it's kind of a recurring thing that happens, and it's kind of funny at first, and then it, it kind of quickly turns tragic. Uh, he has a wife... Or hot. <laughs> ...who seemingly... I, it's never really like explained too much in depth, but I kind of took it to be like she was a porn star. Yeah, I think that's the gist. And she's kind I mean, of that's aged I always took it that out way of too. being in the movies... But she still has a uns- insatiable thirst for cock <laughs> yeah. and just fucks dudes like young, like nonstop, in shape dudes. Uh, funny sidebar here. I used to go to this bar on Wednesday nights, and they had karaoke, and there was this guy, and they had him like he would sing, and he would end it every every time. Like when the bar was closing, every Wednesday he would sing "Don't Stop Believing" by Journey, and he was just unbelievable performance but they called him little bill (laughs) oh and by the way the name of the bar was the glory hole (laughs) it sounds like a nice place and it wasn't a bar it was a place that i hung out (laughs) and it was actually in a rest stop bathroom yep but yeah uh little bill kind of he has like kind of a sad reaction to this uh he just seemingly can't get over the fact that this is happening. He's not cool with it, but it, it, it's clear that this goes it's on like, for years it's because more like one of the of jumps in time. Where it's just like so... He's, he's, she's just so out of control and he doesn't know what to do about it. The fuck are you doing? What the fuck does it look like I'm doing? Can you close the door? Will I close the door? Will I close the door? That's my wife, you asshole. Oh, I'm sorry. Get out. Go sleep on the couch. Don't stop, big stud. You know? Yeah, but he doesn't leave her. No, Like, it right. doesn't end because yeah. it goes over time because the last time that it happens... But we don't really know why he doesn't Eve. leave her. What? Like, what? We don't really... 
get his whole attitude towards her. Like, why why wouldn't he leave her? We yeah. Well, that's kind of the byproduct of having kind of this many characters and this kind of big overarching story. Like, you don't really get in depth with like something like this. So, the ins and outs of their day to day life, we don't really know. We just kind of get these snapshots over time because I think the first time happens very early on when it's still supposed to be 1977 and then the last time happens New Year's Eve 1979 into 1980 because finally little Bill's had enough he goes and gets (laughs) he finds his (laughs) wife fucking a dude yet again goes and gets a gun shoots them both and then shoots himself and that's kind of the that's the turning point the cut into 1980 yeah that's that's when things change uh now it's hard for me with this movie because it's like you know we always talk about the character that i relate to and it's usually like the most bleak one but is it william h macy or is it philip seymour hoffman for me in this movie a little bit of both yeah i mean i'll say this about uh William H. Macy's character, I definitely had a girlfriend who, you know, wasn't going this far, but there was, like, some incidents where, you know, she was, like, getting drunk and would, like, make out with somebody. (laughs) Jesus Uh, Christ. Every Um, episode. Yeah, and it's, like, like I kind of relate to, like, Little Bill a little bit in this case because it's, like, you know, you'd have the conversation beforehand, like, before you go out and you're, like, everything's fine now, like we're good tonight, right? She's like, yeah, yeah, what are you talking about? And it's like, it was just like a smash cut to like a Jack Daniels bottle and just like oh, in God. the arms of some dude and you're just like, you were like talking to your friend and then you're looking over and they're still talking to you. Like that scene when they're outside and he's talking to the uh, film dude and the guy's trying to talk to him about the production. Like, th- like that's happened to me before where somebody was talking to me <laughs> and I'm like looking over and he's like, and he's like, what? Like he's realizing that I'm not paying attention to his story anymore. Because I'm like looking across the room at just some disaster ensuing. <laughs> yeah, the scene that takes place outside is particularly jarring, especially uh, considering like the first time I saw this movie, I was pretty young, and I don't, I just, I didn't know what to make of this. Oh, it's I like know. holy shit! They're yeah. literally in a driveway on like a towel, and she's she's laying down on the towel and a guy's on top of her just having sex with her and there's a crowd of people just watching them them, watching them and i just could not figure this out like i i don't know my brain wasn't able to like process what i was seeing or something like i was like i don't understand what i mean at least the way it plays in the movie it's like kind of like a jokey scene a little bit even though it's like so fucked up but you know what it plays kind of light a little bit well, uh, yeah, well, it I think... it doesn't feel like reality, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I I think, like, that's kind of partially what's going on is, you know, you don't know... You're not sure how to take this right. as a viewer at this point. Yeah. Because, obviously, it's something that's completely disturbing. Holy but shit, yeah. There's a slight comedic element to it, but we don't really know Little Bill well enough to really sympathize all the way, because what if he's an asshole? What if he likes this and we don't – because we don't know. We yeah. really don't know right. how to – what if this is all a big performance that he's putting on, but, like, he's actually telling her to do this? At this point, we don't understand this relationship at all. We don't really know. So it kind of leaves the viewer, like, a little uncomfortable and unsure of how to process what they're seeing, especially, like I said, probably the first time I saw this, I was, like, you know, 14 or something. 
oh, yeah. 14, 15. Right. And I was just like, I, I don't really understand what's happening here. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just, like, I was like, she's talking. She's saying, like, shut up, Bill. Well, you're embarrassing I me. I think that's one of the other things that's weird about it is she's having sex, but it's not like she's, she's talking to her yeah, husband. She's, she's, well, and she's talking deadpan. It's not like she's like panting or like reacting <laughs> to the fact that like sex is occurring in any way. You know what I mean? It's like, She's completely numb to like any, which physical... you couldn't relate to at all because you could you couldn't even walk up the stairs without being out of breath. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Yeah, something like that. But no, I'm just like I don't know. She's completely, obviously, devoid of any like physical enjoyment from the act. She's just like, or at least that's yeah, the way it's, it plays. it's much more of like a mental right. power play that yeah. she's making. And I think it should be pointed out that this double murder suicide occurs at a party. Oh yeah, a New Year's Eve party Part at the Jack's course. house. It's kind of, I mean, obviously it's a convenience of the way that the film is written that this happens as the 70s end and we enter the 80s, but it's kind of a pivotal night overall uh, with ramifications on all of the characters. I've had um, a lot of New Year's like William H. Macy has here. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't quite ended up this way, but I definitely like, oh, Happy New Year, everyone's kissing their loved one and i'm looking around and mine's nowhere to be found and yours is <laughs> laying in a bed with a bullet in her well no not quite that but laying in a bed with something else in her oh jeez <laughs> kidding <laughs> wow this is really yeah <laughs> become a thing people are finding podcast. out a lot no but also at that same party um we're first introduced to uh a guy named Floyd Gondoli, I think is how you say his last name, oh, yeah. uh, played by Philip Baker Hall. He shows up into Jack's world to kind of tell him, like, hey. Times are changing. The times are changing. Film is on its way out. Video is where it's at. It's all about Which cheap you? product, moving, Turn getting as many quickly. in and out as possible. Yeah. I'm not a complicated man. I like cinema. In particular, I like to see people fucking on film. But I don't want to win an Oscar, and I don't want to reinvent a wheel. I like simple places, like butter in my ass, lollipops in my mouth. That's just me. That's just something that I enjoy. Call me crazy, call me a pervert. But there's one little thing that I want to do in this life, and that is I want to make a dollar and a cent in this business. Jack, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you stay one step ahead of the game. Now, this guy's been involved right like he's been like a distribution guy or something i i don't know like okay he's somehow involved in something he shows up at this party with his little dirty gang of runaways that look about 12 years old what that that i never paid attention to that part really until this viewing that he's got these fucking kids with him that That are are all like real sketchy yeah it's like uh he's basically but i think like it's like a franklin (laughs) <laughs> fucking credit union situation it seems like like where did these kids come from well i think his point is that these kids aren't particularly attractive looking he's trying to convey the idea that the stars of tomorrow are amateurs oh right yeah like his whole he was a little ahead of the curve on that yeah his yeah. whole thing is like we don't need to pay big time names anymore of like and build up stars and all this stuff it's like people just want to see other people fucking 
bottom yeah, line. No kidding. And we can film it on VHS. It's not that we difficult, can sell Jack. it at sketchy stores. <laughs> and we can make a lot of money. Right. And Jack, of course, is completely against this because Horrifying. at this point, he's still what got. What we do here is make films. <laughs> he's still got the uh, security blanket of the colonel who's interested in financing uh, Jack's films and. Allows Jack to. The Colonel have seems like he control. wants Jack to hear this meeting, though, going into it. Like, I feel like there's a comment from the Colonel that's like, all right, we need to listen to this guy. Yeah. That always. That never really made sense to me because I kind of viewed Floyd and Colonel as like the same role that they would have in right. Jack's life. Yeah. At, almost competing. But like, yeah, initially. It seems like the colonel might be on board for this. Well, that's why I was thinking that this Floyd dude is kind of like involved with the distribution side of the movies. Right. Um, although I do think that he eventually he does take over yes. as the right. main fin- financier of these projects. Because Agreed. eventually the colonel is uh, arrested uh, as he's a, caught with a, a girl who is 15 going on 105 is what he says. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not shockingly, though. I mean, this is... First of all, he's been like really, you know, kind of uh, flirting with disaster. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, because the early in the movie, he's got an underage girl who's ODing. Yeah, right? and they have to carry her out of the party. It's yeah. kind of like right out of Eyes Wide Shut. Uh huh. The lack of surprise from Jack or anyone oh, else at this yeah. turn of events. I mean, that'll tell you something, right? But it's funny because there isn't too much concern. Over the fact that he's caught with a fifteen-year-old girl, that's not no really they kinda, the problem. Yeah, I mean, I think he like, seems like he's going to be. Able, he thinks that that's not know, a big deal. Yeah, he kind of can explain it away like you didn't do anything. You don't know how you didn't know how old she was, but you didn't do anything or something, right? Which except that really isn't the problem, right? The problem is what they found in his house, which I guess was a bunch of child porn. Not unlike what they found in Patrick Swayze's house in Donnie Darko. <laughs> a constant reference for the show now. <laughs> and I guess, you know, this is the unfortunate side of this kind of world. I mean, let's face it. I mean, society in general looks down on porn stars, uh, the people that make porn, etc. Even though everyone looks at porn and everyone you know, enjoys porn on, in their own private life. Oh, yeah. It's kind of shunned and looked down <laughs> upon and shit on and everything. Right. But, you know, some of the people... Rightfully so, in, in some the cases, industry yeah. are... Dirtball. Just trying... No, <laughs> oh. let me get there. Some of the people are just trying to, you know, make a living, and they don't necessarily have the same moral compass as everyone else, and that's fine, and I mean... Obviously, I don't have a problem with it, and I think oh, okay. people Great. should, you know, respect porn stars more than they do. And it's it's a tough living, and but thank God they exist, right? <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you don't know. I'm Imagine if no the... one was ever willing to do porn, this world would go crazy. Well, I'm more into the people that do the like erotic writings, you know. Oh God. <laughs> so what I'm saying though is the unfortunate side of this kind of world is that you end up having to deal with people like the colonel i think uh there's literally thousands of examples of a real life version of the colonel involved in porn uh i think you know for some people it does they start out as straight up pedophiles and creeps and perverts like the colonel but other times it might be a 
slippery slope of needing the next taboo thing to get off like and keep you know going downward into that thing whatever the case may be there seems to be a lot of these kind of characters involved and it's this, kind of where you know the way that uh, this the, industry gets its bad reputation I the colonel reveals this to jack though pretty yeah. dark horrifying yeah holy shit i'm sure you've heard a few clips from the movie throughout this episode so far. You're not going to hear a clip of this. No. <laughs> Should be banned. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty rough, but I think it's fair because I think it, it, this movie definitely has been accused of people, and you know, by people who are in the porn industry of glamorizing the porn world too much, that it's not nearly as glamorous as this movie. And yeah, I mean, I never took out of it, though, that these people are like I was never like even in the happy part of the movie, the first half. I, was I don't never, know. I mean, they, you know, they're living in this kind of nice house. They have lots of money and drugs and Dirk is buying a nice house. Well, I'm and afraid nice of cars <laughs> and they're swimming in the pool and they're kind of just <laughs> Dirk is kind of treated like he's like a movie star. Although I never really I think I never felt like he was treated like a star. He's only treated like a star amongst this small group of people. Well, he's still making enough money. Though, yeah, absolutely. He's got a super cool house with a lot of cool uh, water oil paintings or whatever. <laughs> but uh, who's the painter? Is it Jesse St. Vincent? Yeah, which is only briefly addressed. And I, it's actually really weird because I never really noticed this until this viewing. But there's almost like a weird thing going on with Jesse and Dirk. Because when he's showing off his house, he mentions her multiple times. Like... Oh yeah, Jesse was over and Jesse did this painting. He's like talking about her. And then like before uh Jesse meets Don Cheadle, which starts their whole storyline, like she's sitting there talking to Dirk and he's kind of pulled away by uh Julianne Moore and she seems like annoyed by this. And I don't I don't think that there was like they were like dating or anything, but it definitely seems like it's like subtly there. Yeah, and it also could be that Dirk is the son. That's true. To which yeah. they all revolve around at this point. This is the height of his stardom oh, in yeah, their right. world. And they all want FaceTime. With but then the it's like and then, you know, that propels her whole you know, love, romantic interest with Don Cheadle after Buck. That. Yeah. Buck. Um Buck Swope. And another character <laughs> that definitely wants to get FaceTime with Dirk is Scotty J. Uh, who oh, yeah. at that same New Year's Eve party, which I said, you know, had a lot of ramifications for a lot of characters. Scotty decides that this is the right moment to kind of. He's been holding this back for a while. I would I wouldn't necessarily say professes love for Dirk, but he kind of physically professes it. <laughs> goes in to kiss. He him. goes right for it. <laughs> it's kind of a famous uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman scene slash matt crosby monologue <laughs> this is like when you tried to kiss me at new year's <laughs> it was really uncomfortable for everyone this is it it's <laughs> cool yeah you want to get inside when did you get this uh yesterday oh actually i had it painted yesterday so it might the paint might still be kind of sticky or this is great man. yeah it's really great you want to go for a ride or wait 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 fuck hell how much time is that <laughs> I'm sorry, What sir, the hell please. is the matter with I'm you? I'm sorry. I, uh, Why did you do that, Scotty? Uh, you look at me sometimes. What? I, I want to know if you like me. Well, of course. Yeah, I like you, Scotty. I... Can I kiss you? Scotty, please, I don't... Please, can I kiss you on the mouth? No! Please let me 
Scotty! I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to grab you like that or scare you or it's anything. It's all right, man. Do you want to kiss me or? Scotty. No? What's no, the matter with I you? I forget it. I'm just, I'm really drunk. Really, I am. I'm just, I'm, I'm out of my head. I'm so, wait. I'm really wasted. Really, Dirk, yeah, I'm really just wasted. That. I'm crazy right now. I'm, I'm really crazy. Do you want to go you back know? inside? Uh, do you like my car, Dirk? What? I mean. Yeah, yeah. Because I wanted to, you know, it, I wanted to make sure you thought it was cool or else I was going to take it back. Oh. Yeah. It's great, Scotty. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Scotty. I love you. I really yeah, love you. I love you. you too, Scotty. Okay. Let's go back inside, okay? All right. I'll, all right. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. Fucking idiot. Fucking idiot. Fucking idiot. Now we've known that Tommy, wait, Scotty, like pines after him at least a little bit. The way that he reacts to seeing his dick. For the first time, <laughs> although to be fair, well, during a, a lot shoot. of people react. Well, people are reacting like they're like wide-eyed and like holy shit. But he gets a. F- it's like he has like a full-on convulsion. He's like <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> what do you think he wants to do with that dick? I'd love to find out. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. And kind of in the time period, like it's kind of hard to gauge, you know, time in this film. Um, but in the time period after the fateful uh, New Year's Eve party, um, things really start to unravel quickly. Um, and, you know, this kind of paradise that they've created around Jack's house in this world starts to fall apart. Um, mostly because of cocaine. Yeah. But also, you know, I think inevitable... In this kind of line of business for things to kind of start to go awry in general. but And the colonel going to jail definitely screws everything up for Jack. Yeah. The colonel's in jail. Things are going to shit. Uh, Dirk is having trouble getting hard and staying hard because of the drug use. Yeah. Which causes a lot of stress and anxiety. <laughs> um, tensions are rising between him and Jack. Um, Just some of the most unbelievable acting scenes from Mark Wahlberg, basically. (laughs) From this point forward, it's like nonstop great moments from him. (laughs) Uh, Reed kind of doesn't really help because he's he started as kind of being competitive with Dirk, but now he's kind of just a sycophant of Dirk's. Like he follows him around and kind of treats Dirk as a god, and as do a lot of other characters, which kind of contributes to this and you know reed brings in this guy named todd parker who i'm guessing is like they kind of reference him being like a stripper or something i don't think he's a porn star but he's kind of just a guy that's around and he's played by thomas jane he's kind of like the connector to like the drug world right yeah he definitely seems like their source for cocaine for a while um and that 
eventually leads to a falling out between Dirk and Jack, and it kind of Jack is happens in front of everyone, dude. and it's in this pool oh, scene. Well, that's a, yeah, and like Dirk is trying to like get himself going. He's like, "All right, I got to be hard for this movie. Obviously, this is my fucking job." And it's like gets himself gives himself the pep talk in the mirror, gets outside, and it's just like a Jack. I'm ready to shoot now. I'm ready to go. My my cock is hard. I'm ready to fuck. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty minutes, babe. Fuck it. Hey. No, hey Jack, I'm ready to shoot now. My cock is ready. I want to fuck. Let's go. And Jack's like, "Relax." I mean, we've all had that moment of panic <laughs> when we're like, "Well, I don't know how long this is gonna last." Yeah, honey. if I can't go now, then <laughs> it's either now or never. And that's kind of what it is. And Jack's like, "Look, relax. We're not even set up yet. So come back in a half hour." And of course, you know, Dirk in a complete panic is just like, "There's no way I'm gonna maintain this thing." <laughs> and it you know prompts a a a brawl yeah like a near brawl i mean it kind of gets separated but it kind of signals the end of the relationship between dirk and jack and and reed by extension even it seems like he kind of leaves with dirk well reed and scotty j kind of follow dirk on his way out now at this point jack has kind of found his new dirk Dude, right i can't remember his name is it like johnny something yeah I don't know. His name stinks. It's not like a legendary name like Dirk Diggler. <laughs> yeah. And no he's kind of more, he represents kind of like more uh, what you'd be accustomed to in like modern porn on like X Hamster or Pornhub. Just a boring <laughs> dumbass. Well, he just says like, suck my dick, bitch, and like that kind of stuff. You know, like. Oh, yeah. Really gets people going. <laughs> more of like injecting. Um, kind of the violence and misogyny that we're accustomed to in today's pornography. Yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> because, you know, one of the things that's kind of treated as a joke, but in a way is very serious, is kind of this thing that Jack and Dirk and other people kind of reference early in the film is about making it sexy. There's kind of like yeah. a very like tender sexiness right. to it. It's not like you would say you would grab the girl's the slow face build, yes. And you know, yank her down to your crotch and be like, oh. suck my dick, bitch. Like this new guy. Girls need to be romanced. A little bit of romance, yeah. yeah. Uh, and f You know, I mean, like Dirk's first sex scene on camera with Amber Waves is very... Uh, Intimate. Yeah, it's very tender. Right. <laughs> you know, having an open discussion about where the cum is supposed to go. Where's he going to drop that load? Right. <laughs> so reed and dirk kind of have these insane fantasies that they're going to be rock and roll stars yeah uh i guess you know eddie murphy had a hit song in the 80s oh I, yeah i guess they thought anybody could is it, do it i mean is this kind of poking fun at that whole type idea of people just starting bands that are actors and well whatnot? isn't that something that everyone's always poking fun at? yeah i know pretty much yeah <laughs> Suffice to say that they don't really have any musical talent Just an or any knowledge about how the music industry works or a, enough money to do anything. A great sequence of events here, though. Just great scenes back to back to back <laughs> of them like writing songs, you know, not unlike our own experience writing songs. <laughs> when you would look at me and say, I don't know, play some country accents here. <laughs> and I'd be like, I don't know what that means. You'd be like, well, me neither, but... <laughs> but 
Yeah, I mean, Dirk, an unbelievably horrific singer. <laughs> okay, Dirk, you ready? Yeah, I was born ready, Nick. Let's go, man. Dirk Diggler demo. Keep the vocals up. You got the touch. Take seven. Excuse me, Reed. You got the touch. You got the power. Yeah. After all is said and done, you never walk. Think the bass is taken away from the vocal? No, not really. Maybe it sounds balanced to me. It's definitely taken away from my vocal. Just to take the bass down and bring up the vocal. Okay, let's do it, Nick. You heard him. You wanna take it from the top? Yeah, let's try it. Okay. He will rock you. He. Yeah, it's um it's rough. So apparently they're paying for studio time or they they I guess have they made an agreement that they're going to pay for studio time? I don't know. I've heard of this kind of thing happening though with right. people not having enough money to for the tapes after they record and all yeah. that stuff and But it's almost like they didn't even pay for the sessions. It seems Who knows? Like. Right, but that's also... They're just, they're in over their heads and they don't know what they're doing. Possibly, I mean, my favorite line in any movie ever, or at least like delivery of the line, is when uh, Reed is explaining to the uh, studio owner that, listen, we can't we can't get you the money until we go get the record contract, but we need the tapes to get the record contract. And <laughs> Dirk just goes, hello, exactly! <laughs> <laughs> You don't get them until you pay. In our situation, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Wait, we can't pay the price of the demo tapes unless we take the demo tapes to the record company and get paid. Hello, exactly. That's not an MP. That's a YP. Your problem. Come up with the money and I'll give you the tapes. That's it. Okay. All right, now you're talking above my head, all right? I don't know this industry jargon, YP, MP, whatever, okay? All I know is that I cannot 
get a record contract. We cannot get a record contract unless I take these tapes. And granted, the, the tapes themselves are your, are your, bit, are, are your, that you own them, okay? But the magic that is on the tapes, that fucking heart and soul that we put into those tapes, that is ours. And you don't own that. Now I need to take that magic and get it to the, to the record company. Okay, and they're waiting for us. We're supposed to be there a half hour ago. We look like assholes right now, man. But this is all kind of juxtaposed against this escalating drug use and this downward spiral. Um, they kind of have uh, this newcomer on the scene, Thomas Jane, you know, uh, Todd Parker, and Scotty J kind of are in their world. But things are kind of unraveling quickly for them. The while, one cool thing about... Meanwhile, with Jack, he's kind of resorted to relying on this Floyd guy now because the colonel's out of the picture and... Floyd's calling the shots. Artistically, things aren't coming together for Jack no, anymore. No, no, right. I was just going to say, though, it's kind of a cool uh, move by Dirk. He doesn't really overreact to... Uh, Scotty kissing him. I mean, he's like, dude, what the fuck? But he's never like... Well, he keeps him in his world because he worships him. Yeah, that's true. when things go bad with Jack, the number of people worshiping him has now dwindled down to just two, basically. And so he no longer has the Roller Girls and Amber Waves and all Jesse Jesse St. Vincent's and all the other porn girls and all the other porn actors and all of the hangers on to their world and like the Maurice's who own the clubs that they hang out at and the people that show up at those clubs and treat them like a star like that's not happening anymore so he can't really turn away somebody like Scotty at this point because he doesn't have anyone else that's true (laughs) so are we gonna get right into this what Jack is now doing for no first uh we have to talk about the greatest one of the greatest scenes in film history absolutely yes <laughs> just an so unbelievable sequence of events this the money all happening and the drugs scene. are running out and things are getting kind of desperate between reed dirk and todd and scotty's kind of there too but he doesn't come along on this trip right and so todd i guess pitches this idea he knows a guy yeah uh through i guess the strip club that he worked at this guy would show up he was like a party guy yeah it kind of just seems like he just wants to show off how much money he has and like have people around type yeah he's deal. like the type of dude that doesn't really have any friends but he has money and so he gets into like he buys drugs so that people will hang out with him right basically yeah uh his name's like Rahid jackson or rahad jackson something like that um, rahad yes <laughs> the funny thing about this though he just seemingly lives in the middle of a, like a neighborhood it's alfred molina Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and other classic films. Uh, He kind of just is carrying on this lifestyle in the middle of a very residential-looking area. Yeah, the house looks very normal from the outside, and then you get in, and it's just this insane... There's quite a scene going on. like, like, pink carpet. My whole thing is, like, Jack, who's this porn king... You never get like a real sense of him having neighbors. Oh, it's kind of yeah, right. like up in like the uh, the kind of like a uh, the canyons or mountains or something. Yeah, I like see somewhere yeah. you know, like it's very secluded. Right. Whereas, like now, granted, I don't know that this Rahad Jackson he might be rich. I don't know if he's if he has as much money as Jack or not. I don't know, but yeah, he's a flaunt it more. He's got it 
he's got this wild scene going on in his house that's just in the middle of seemingly probably normal everyday people. Oh yeah. He's got a giant muscular security guy who's wearing like two guns or one. <laughs> he's know. got a gun, yeah. but his clothing is very like loose and oh, drape like. Yeah. It's right. very strange. He's got like dark sunglasses on. Yeah. Inside, of course. And then he's got a seemingly very underage Chinese boy running around throwing firecrackers oh, yeah. everywhere, wearing and a Rick Springfield shirt. In an, a scene that gets... Just to remind you that we're now like you know into the 80s. I think we're probably about 83 at yeah, this point. And then like what ends up being like this kind of slow build, but like once the attempt at the heist is beginning, it's like super tense and like this kid is just throwing firecrackers so every like couple of seconds <laughs> yeah there's a like, loud oh, bang yeah. and they're, the, the characters are jumping like he's basically walking around the room because there's candles lit around the room and he's just lighting these firecrackers with the candles and just throwing them on the ground and they're exploding and of course this Rahid Jackson guy doesn't react at all oh, to yeah. this because right. he's used to it or whatever yes. and then the three there they're already nervous because they're Trying to sell him baking soda. Yeah, fake which drugs. It's so insane because, granted, the guy that they're selling it to, he doesn't seem to really pay any attention. He's right. just like, yeah. oh, what's the price? Whatever. And yeah. then bring him the money. But his big security guard guy is... Going to test it. Basically going over and testing it. And like this is all falling apart. Yeah, and he's still testing it. And Thomas Jane is like, all right, I got a whole other plan that I didn't tell you guys about. <laughs> Yeah, so not only were they going to rip this guy off for f- 5G's, you know, for the cocaine that wasn't real, but they were also, he had this whole plan of robbing a safe underneath a bed or something <laughs> Yeah, that I guess he knew about from back in the day of working at this club. I don't know. Now, before everything takes off, uh, he not- uh, Alfred Molina notices them kind of reacting to the firecrackers and seeing this kid, and he just, his way of explaining it is, oh, that's Cosmo. He's Chinese. Like, as if that somehow <laughs> explains that this kid in this t-shirt is just walking around throwing firecrackers. <laughs> also, I want to point out during the scene, so the song changes to uh, Jesse's Girl, right? Yeah, it goes from Sister Christian to Jesse's Girl. Yeah, and when it changes to Jesse's Girl, we get a cut of the tape that it's going to labeled My Awesome Mixtape number six, I believe. <laughs> but now, one of the... I mean, probably the most underappreciated movie references in my life have been labeling mix CDs this that I don't think anybody's ever realized <laughs> what that was in reference to. <laughs> Certainly yeah, not I the mean, ungrateful girlfriends I was making them for. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure those girls really kicking themselves now. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I would have got that. <laughs> Eventually, this all unravels as uh, the the big security guy ends up getting shot. And killed. Well, first of all, they saw the security guard has a gun, and he's behind them. Yet, right. Todd still pulls the gun on Alfred Molina. Right. Without even paying attention to the guy behind him, which seems super weird. I don't know if he if Todd was supposed to see the gun. I oh, think maybe he did. The other two. Because yeah. okay. basically, Reed and Dirk are like, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, we yeah. got the money. Right. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And Todd is like, no, we're staying. And it's like become this whole thing where he's playing out a plan that they were unaware of. Uh, he ends up getting shot in the shoulder, but then he kills the security guard. And then he's going to try to rob him. And then 
gets uh, blasted Raheem by a blasts shotgun. him with a shotgun. The other two run out of there into the night while he's firing out oh, yeah, shots into at the their street. car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know what would have been awesome here? What? Is a little bit of classic 90s movie crossover. Because when we were watching this, you were like, well, what the fuck is he going to do with these two dead bodies he has in his oh, house yeah, now? I know. <laughs> and I was like, he should have called a fucking younger version of The Wolf oh, from, from Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Fiction. Like, yeah. they could have had... Oh, that would have been great. Right. Uh, Harvey Keitel play, like, a younger version of himself. Oh, that would have been awesome, yeah. <laughs> and he has to, like... Cause well, it is, like, yeah. We don't really is... know where this guy gets his money. We don't know what his deal and is. What, he could yeah. have connections to that world. What the hell is he going to do, though? It's just, like, now he's just got two bodies in his house. He's, you know, uh, supposedly got a bunch of drugs there, too, I'm assuming. I mean, I know he was just trying to buy drugs, but... And a Chinese boy walking around in a diaper and a t-shirt yeah, is what like, it looks what like. Yeah, what the hell is going on? He's going to have some explaining to do. Right. But luckily, you know... It's irrelevant to the movie. <laughs> yeah, Dirk and uh, Reed, are, once they drive away, are apparently scot-free and nothing's yeah, ever right. going to happen yeah. to them. But this is only like... This is kind of the highlight of the downward spiral, but this isn't right. the whole thing. Yeah. Jack and Roller Girl, meanwhile... Uh, driving around the idea of scripts now completely out the window. Yeah, they're Jack just trying has to just do resigned some... himself to churning out these shitty videos. It's kind of like a man in the street version of porn. Yeah, and they do have porns that are set up like this. Granted, I it's assume, not really real though. Yeah, right? that everyone is in on it. Yeah. It's not actually what they're doing here, which is driving around in a limousine with a with a camcorder and roller girl's ready to fuck and they're just going to find a, a guy to fuck roller girl in the yeah, back of this right. limo yes. and film it presumably i guess they have papers written up where this guy can sign a release i don't not know not really going to get me going i don't know i do feel like i'd just be like this is kind of sad <laughs> <laughs> well that's kind of what happened yeah uh um, it just so happens that the guy they pick up is a guy that went to high school with Roller Girl and now, recognizes They're not her. having this guy sign a release or anything? Well, that's what I just said. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, I literally just said, All right, well, I guess they have a release written up for him to sign. I'll cut this out. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was drifting off. I quit. <laughs> um, once he recognizes Roller Girl, it kind of really goes sour quickly. and Roller Girl pretending not to know him. Yeah, and then they attempt to have sex, and it goes poorly, and then Jack is criticizing the guy and telling him to do different things or whatever, and he flips out, and then he starts, you know, bad-mouthing Roller Girl and Jack, which is a pretty ballsy move for this fucking kid. Uh, I would would just, I mean... It's like, not for nothing, dude. You did just come off the street to try and fuck this girl in a car. (laughs) I mean... Who are you to judge people? Well, Jack doesn't take too kindly to the criticism, and they pull over to let this guy out, and then Jack jumps on top of him and starts punching the shit out of him. beat the shit out of this dude. And then, finally, uh, they pull Jack off. (laughs) Jack off. (laughs) And then, of course, Roller Girl skates out and then just straight up murders the guy. Yeah. Uh, it's like Edward Norton view, straight out of American History X. Oh, yeah. Point of view shot from the dude laying on the ground looking straight up, roller skate to the face. <laughs> Real hard. Oh, yeah, like a power stomp. And Yeah, well, I think she kicks him, too, is before that, that oh, and then stomps yeah, right. him. I mean, Oof. it's like his fucking skull is caved in. Fractured skull, <laughs> for sure. And, of course, like in a very 
Magnolia-esque way for people who have seen that Paul Thomas Anderson movie. It all this all kind of happens in the same vicinity as crazy shit that's happening to other characters from the film because yeah. we pan over and they pass a car where Dirk now completely out of options and down on his luck has taken to like street hustling, basically a version of what he was doing back in right. So now the kitchen of Maurice's have club come full circle for him. <laughs> basically. Yeah, yes. he's back to where he started, just exposing himself or jerking off a little, depending on whether or not you have five or ten dollars. So he gets in this guy's truck and they drive to like a an empty parking lot and he starts like jacking off for the guy, but like he can't really get hard. The guy's seemingly getting pretty into it though. I mean which he does although he does explain to us He's not gay. He just wants to see him jerk off a little bit. Yeah. Which I was, reasonable. Yeah. Good enough argument for me. <laughs> and so this all was kind of an elaborate ruse, though, because this guy's buddies show up in another truck and then they just beat the shit out of dirt. Yeah. For and uh, call him a fag and stuff. And you're just like, well, wait, what was happening? Some here? sort of weird neighborhood watch situation. <laughs> but if it's a trap, why does the guy have to like go as far to have him like. He's like telling him to go faster and stuff. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. I guess maybe it was just like a perk for him. (laughs) Occupational hazard. Like, I could have saw a scenario where, like, they both get beat up by unknown That probably would have made more sense. The fact that this guy was in on the beating was kind of strange. Yeah, I mean. (laughs) Um, And then Buck, who has now kind of started this relationship with Jesse St. Vincent. They want to go legit, too. Yeah, they, you know, we have scenes of them earlier in the film trying to get a bank loan. He wants to open up a stereo business. I want to say one thing about this because I was reading that uh, Paul Thomas Anderson originally wanted to cast Samuel L. Jackson in this role because I guess he worked with him in that Hard Eight movie or whatever. Right. But, like, I think that scene in the bank works so much better with Don Cheadle because I feel like with Samuel L. Jackson, I mean, the. Bank guy would have just been like intimidated him. And yeah, he like, would have like given him the money. Yeah, whatever, whatever <laughs> loan you want. But Don Cheadle's way better. At like kind of that like more soft spoken. Kind of seems like a pussy a little bit. Like, what do you want me to sign? What do you want me to write on that paper? But with uh, Samuel L. Jackson, it just would have been like, look, bitch, give me the loan, motherfucker. motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, of course, the guy's gonna give it to him. <laughs> um, now Jesse Saint Vincent is pregnant, about to burst. They seemingly are transitioning away from being in porn because uh, he's trying to start this stereo business. He goes into this donut shop uh, while he's getting donuts. The place is getting robbed. Now, kind of a weird move to rob a donut shop, seemingly Low in the risk. middle of the night because, I mean, <laughs> yeah. how much cash could they really have? I now, know. Granted, I brought this it turns out to be a shitload. Yeah. But, like, I don't know how many it, people were buying donuts it at It does this seem place. weird. That the, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's some sort of uh, – it doubles as, like, a catering business. But even still, you'd think they'd keep the cash in a separate <laughs> a place for that. <laughs> they cater with donuts. Yeah, absolutely. But I will say this. Uh, when they're just looking at the donuts, just incredible scene <laughs> for me. I mean, talking about the donuts with the Christmas sprinkles, that really got me going. So, the guy comes in to rob the place. It just so happens that there's another customer in there who's reading like a fucking guns and ammo magazine, and he's he's packing heat. Yeah, when you're the newsflash to the criminal, you see that guy reading an 
a fucking gun lover magazine abort. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, the gun lover pulls his gun out. The criminal guy, he pulls his gun out. Somehow, everyone ends up dead except for Buck. An insane thing where uh, there's three people with guns and they all die. Well, no, I guess no, only two, two of them with, with guns, guns. And three people die. It, in a matter of two seconds. Basically, yes. And Buck is just standing there covered in blood, except the clerk at the donut place had already gotten the money out to give to the robber, and the money is now laying there with three dead bodies. No one else is in the store. So now Buck sees an opportunity to get the money he was denied. Change his at life. The bank. Yeah. Um, now. And so now everyone. Well, obviously, this is like kind of a positive for buck but everyone else has kind of hit rock bottom right and it was still a pretty traumatic moment for buck and i think it around this same time it kind of becomes clear that like amber is not going to be able to see her oh that's right that all happens too so i mean everyone's kind of at their lowest moment and then dirk just shows back up at jack's house and all is forgiven basically is how it kind of wraps up i always think about this long kind of scene where everything's going bad for everyone there's kind of like one song playing underneath. It's like just an instrumental. And it always, rem- like, it's. I always think about Requiem for a Dream, too, where it's like this long sequence with like a song playing and everything's going bad for everyone. Except in this movie, there's a, a turn back up that oh, yeah. doesn't, <laughs> doesn't quite occur in Requiem, but. Right. And on the one hand, uh, you could, you could criticize the happy ending is kind of coming out of nowhere and kind of not really fitting. It does feel weird. But it kind of, I I think in a way, it kind of makes it so that you're not fixated on the end of the movie. It it kind of is more of just like, this is a portrait of these people in these times. But yeah, these people are broken and they go through all these tough times. Some fairly horrific including the double yeah, murder suicide and, uh, yeah and all, and all these different things but there's kind of this you know pick ourselves up by the bootstraps get back up get keep going kind of attitude that kind of is a you oh, know yeah. it's a little bit inspiring and it kind of i think having this happy ending kind of makes it less about like oh this is just a warning and isn't it kind of too like these people all they need each other yeah. Like this the best world for all these people was what they were doing. Yeah. And it's like And they lost sight right. of what was important, which was which was each making other. Porn, yeah. <laughs> and making porn and yeah. fucking on film. Right. Uh I think what I was trying to say though is like if it ended negatively, then it just becomes kind of this thing like, oh, drugs are bad, porn is bad. And I don't think that's really what they were going for here because I think this was more of just a portrait of like a time and a place in this kind of industry. And like, you know, it didn't want it to be any kind of moralistic tale. I think. No, no. Yeah, I, I don't get I that think, at all. You know, right? uh, P.T. Anderson does a good job of showing the dark side of this world and not acting like it's all sunshine and rainbows, but it doesn't like fixate on that it's that's not necessarily what it's about it's about everything involved both sides of it and so we kind of get a nice clean little happy ending but like there's no guarantee that everything was going to work out i mean no 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 
it could be cyclical <laughs> in three years after this you know they have another falling out and everything goes to shit again but you know whatever so we get one last uh check in with dirk giving himself his old pep talk that he used to do in the mirror where he tells himself that he's a rock star he's a big bright beautiful shining yeah, star right <laughs> which <laughs> is something i tell myself and Every kind of day before work. One of the most memorable, stunning things of my life when I saw <laughs> this movie the first time. I was just not expecting this to be the end of the like just this them just to throw this at you right at the end. He whips his dick out. I mean, and it's clearly a prosthetic, but I mean He just takes it out to look at it yeah. and then puts it back away. Right. <laughs> and he's like, That's right. Yeah, it kind of it's hard to Go back in time to like, you know, 97 when people still treated movies like they were a big deal and they were big talking points. But this was like one of those like moments that like really. Oh, yeah. You know, like in the idea of like. I didn't know about it the first time uh, I saw the movie. Kind of like how with any movie there's like spoiler alert or like, you know, people not wanting to ruin ruin something. Halle Berry is nude in Swordfish. (laughs) This was like the kind of spoiler alert for this movie was like the people that saw it like this was like the big moment the big like holy shit kind of thing was there like uh, that needed to be seen to be believed or whatever see I have no memory of this was there like any discussion about this being like his real member I don't think so okay. but I don't know that was I, never I doubt it yeah but it was just kind of like. It, it was kind of a cool thing for them to put in the movie because a, this is something they talk about the entire time, and you oh yeah, see and people it. are reacting to it like to show it to the audience at the end of the film kind of leaves the viewer with like this shocking image that like you know really gives us something like extra, you know what I mean? Right. Um, it's not like a sexual <laughs> moment for it though either. No, and it That's it's definitely unexpected right. the first time <laughs> yeah. you see it. I think. Uh, you know, we've really tested the limits of ourselves and our listeners. Holy with this. shit! <laughs> it is like some movies are harder to do. I mean, than this others was a, because this is a not pinnacle, a linear narrative. I mean, w- w- we left out a million scenes. Oh, I know. I mean, There's they, we, so much to talk about from this movie. I mean, you can't cover everything that happens. I mean, the scene with Amber and Roller Girl, where she's like asking Am- Roller Girl's asking Amber to be her mom, and it's just like. <laughs> They're just completely insane. Oh yeah, and, like high just on coke, and they down don't want to so leave the much room. coke too. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's so much going on in this movie. It's unbelievable. It's one of the best films ever made. I mean, I we think. even barely talked about the character Becky, who just fades from the narrative. But yeah, Becky ends up with Jerome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely think if you get the Blu-ray, you should check out the deleted scenes because there's a whole bunch more, more shit. Yeah, about what happens to some of the characters that doesn't really get addressed. In the film itself, uh, we don't really have time to go through all that now. But, I mean, it's just kind of one of those landmark films that really established Paul Thomas Anderson. It's it's in that kind of upper echelon, you know, with things like The Godfather and Goodfellas or Jaws or whatever. It's kind of, I think it, you know, it deserves that place as kind of just oh, yeah. this classic It's definitely up there thing. for me, right. And, you know, I don't know if we'll ever really see anything like it anytime soon i'm sure probably you know, yeah i don't know probably not <laughs> i'm sure you like know it. it doesn't feel like movies are being made like this right now well it's cyclical i think okay. eventually there'll be another indie movement that kind of 
brings out more auteurs that make things like you know he's making uh, movies under that annapurna pictures or whatever yeah he's working with daniel day lewis again all right uh rest in peace philip seymour hoffman by the way uh paul thomas anderson maya rudolph one of my favorite just celebrity or quasi celebrity couples yeah and the fact that she just like can't stop having kids with him (laughs) incredible (laughs) Uh, this was an interesting time period for Philip Seymour Hoffman because it really, I started to notice him because of him popping up in The Big Lebowski and Boogie Nights basically in the same year. Oh, yeah. So did Julianne Moore, by the way. Two, like, huge, not only cult classics, I mean, classics on their own, but have a cult following. Yeah, and I, I, I definitely think it was kind of this symbiotic thing. It was like, Great films had Seymour uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman in them, and Philip Seymour Hoffman helped make these great films. Like, oh, totally. There was a lot yeah, I mean, going his, on in that late '90s time period. His performance as Brand or Brant, 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 Scotty J. Yeah, I mean, they could not not be more different. No, but Brant to me, like his delivery of dialogue and reactions to things in Big Lebowski. <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe not on the level of John Goodman in that movie, but right up there. <laughs> yep, and it's a shame that we aren't going to get any more of those kind of performances. But hey, there's a plenty of there's plenty out there for you to discover and enjoy. Yeah. Um. So we're losing a lot of uh, actors to heroin. It feels like. Ah, <laughs> 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 what an ending to this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. Well, we just talked about Heath Ledger. <laughs> but that wasn't I, I heroin think, was it <laughs> i don't think so no. um all right so subscribe to the show on itunes folks if you made it this long with us in this and you aren't subscribed yet i don't know what the fuck you're doing some people just don't please want to. no if you just want to listen I'm, that's I okay i swear to christ i'm gonna stop doing this show even with your mic turned down this these reactions are well, you're going to have something to work on, then, aren't you? <laughs> Absolutely. Face. Yeah. I don't want to hear you even defending people that aren't subscribed. I'm very grateful for anyone who listens to the show in any way. Text me, talk to me about it. If you can, hit that subscribe button. <laughs> Please. I mean, I mean, I know that this episode length is going to show up as a certain amount of time in your thing. But believe and me, you're gonna be like, what the, the fuck? The production work on this, like the notes that I do write, and then like we have to psych ourselves up for a half hour before Holy we shit. even start yeah. recording. We got to do that thing. Like I gotta tell Zach, like you're a rock star, you're a fucking shining <laughs> and I take star. Take my cock out <laughs> yeah. in front of you. Like, all right, I'm ready to go now. My cock's hard. I'm ready. Let's do this. <laughs> and then, like you know. For those of you who have been with us since, like, the Halloween 3 episode, you know we have technical difficulties. Yes. That takes us forever to fucking sort through I'm that putting shit. all sorts of time into the pre-production. And then or the it takes forever to Matt, for Matt to fucking edit this thing. I mean, come on, people. Subscribe. Please. Yeah, Now totally. we're hearing a sound yeah, in we our don't ears know. right we're now. Sound. We, we just if this to... sounds like shit, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> it's your fault for not subscribing. Oh, I thought that was directed at me. <laughs> Well, subtly. Yes. Okay. Um, And then also (laughs) follow the show on Twitter. No, we're joking. It's great. If you listen anyway, you can. But hey, we would really like it if you subscribe, though. Right. Really get our cocks hard. (laughs) 
And uh, follow the show on Twitter. Uh, let us know if you want a sticker. Tell your friends. Thanks for listening. This has been Boogie Nights, and we'll see you next time on the greatest moments in the history of forever. to seeing you in action. Jack says you've got a great big cock. Uh, well, I don't know. I guess so. May I see it? Really? Please. Well, thank you, Eddie.